Father, we ask that as we open up your word, that you would open up our hearts and our minds and that you would make us attentive to your voice and that your voice would be louder and more defining for us than all of the other voices in our culture. Father, our hearts are hungering for a word from you. And so we just pray that you might speak and that we might be able to attend to your steady and strong voice in our life. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. All right, so over the last couple weeks, we have been in a series called Vision Sunday. I guess it should have been called Vision Sundays because it's not just one Sunday, right? Uh, But over the last couple weeks, we've been talking about three areas that we believe God is calling us to lean into in this next year. And so the first area we talked about is uh, we believe God wants us to lean into building community together. You know, we said, look, uh, over the last year or so, there has been so many new people that have been coming into our church, and some of you have been around our church for maybe a few weeks or maybe a couple months, and it's really easy to kind of just hang on the fringes of a community without really getting connected in, in a way that is meaningful. And so our desire in this next year is really to lean into building richer and deeper community together. And so uh, we, we discuss some ways in which you might be challenged to step into deeper levels of community. And the second thing that we talked about, some uh, second priority, is uh, we want to lean into this biblical mandate to care for widows and orphans. And so last week, talked a lot about that. You might want to go back and listen if you were not here uh, to that sermon. But today, I want to talk about the third. And in some ways, this is the most primary This is the most fundamental area that we need to lean into as a community, and that is following Jesus, or put it like this. Uh, Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, if anyone wants to be my disciple, let them deny themselves, take up the cross, and follow me. In other words, when Jesus invites us to himself, he never simply invites us to come and to believe a set of doctrines. Uh, alone, or simply to come and profess some idea of trust in Jesus or get a ticket to heaven or whatever, and, and then maybe come to church a bit. Rather, Jesus invites us to become his disciples, to become faithful followers of the way of Jesus. But what does that mean? What does it mean to be a disciple anyway? You know, I know uh, within our culture, there, there, or within our church culture, we use that word disciple and discipleship as kind of a junk drawer term, and we throw lots of things in there. Uh, back when I was in uh, youth ministry, I remember we, we talked about having discipleship groups, and these were groups where there was a leader who was taking a group of students through a little workbook and filling in the blank and talking about it together. Uh, in churches, sometimes there is a de- department of discipleship or there is a discipleship pastor. But the question is, is what does Jesus mean when he talks about discipleship? And friends, this is an incredibly important question for us to ask. You know, um, in, the, in the New Testament, the most common descriptive phrase to describe what it means to be a follower of Jesus is this word disciple. Did you know that the word Christian is used only three times in the New Testament to describe a follower of Jesus? The word disciple is used 269 times. 
And so we need to ask, well, what, what does that mean, actually? Like, what does it mean to be a disciple? And so I want to invite you to join with me as we explore that question together. And I want to invite you to, to explore that question by looking at the earliest and the first call to discipleship that we have. It, it comes to us in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, next week, we're actually going to be beginning a new series in the Gospel of Mark that's going to take us through almost the next year. Our series is called A Year with Jesus. And so we're going to spend a year together with Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. And if you're new to Christianity, uh, Mark is one of the four biographers of Jesus. He is the earliest of the four biographers. And Mark almost certainly, according to the best scholarship, uh, is channeling for us the eyewitness testimony of the Apostle Peter. And so Mark, as uh, church history tells us, followed Peter around everywhere he went, and he, he took copious notes of Peter's stories of Jesus, and then he put together this gospel account. And so when you read through the gospel of Mark, you are getting this fresh, alive, eyewitness account of the life of Jesus. And so I want to invite you to join with me as we look at the very first call that Jesus makes to form a community of discipleship. And from this, we're gonna learn about what it means to be a disciple. Uh, but I, I wanna set it in its context. So let's pick up where, uh, uh, a little bit before the, the passage we're gonna be focusing on. In Mark chapter one, verse 14, and it says this. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. Notice it says, after John was arrested, that phrase is a time marker, and it's a time marker to tell us that the ministry of John is now done. Uh, John was the last and the greatest of the, the, the ancient prophets. You know, Moses and Elijah and Elisha and Isaiah and Jeremiah, all leading up to John the Baptist. And now this old era is going to be over, and a new era is going to begin, a new era of the ministry of Jesus. And so this, what we're looking at here is the very opening moment in the public ministry of Jesus. And it says that he opened his ministry in an area called Galilee. Now, um, you're like, well, tell me a little bit about Galilee. Well, this is a picture of modern day Galilee, which just a beautiful place to begin ministry, isn't it? I mean, that's a beautiful place to do just about anything, I think. And this is where Jesus' ministry began. And notice what it says, he came into Galilee announcing. Jesus opens with this great announcement. He says this, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The time is fulfilled. You know, Jesus comes and he puts everyone on notice. He puts us all on notice, saying that, that in me, the, the, the reign of God, the very healing, a justice bringing peaceable, restorative kingdom of God is breaking into this world to make everything new. Jesus is saying, I am that long-awaited messianic king. In me, you meet divine royalty. And so he announces here and now in my life with my ministry the long-awaited kingdom of God is breaking into the kingdoms of darkness to make everything new. He says, it is here with me. And at this climactic moment, the very beginning, the launch of Jesus' ministry, 
after he announces that the very kingdom of God is breaking in, what is the very first thing Jesus does? What is his first order of business? Look at the text. It says, in passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending their nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants, and they followed him. And so Jesus, when he breaks onto the scene, what is his first move? He calls disciples. And notice who he calls. He enters into this little seaside village, and there are two sets of brothers, Simon and Andrew and James and John, and they're both, uh, they're, they're all fishermen, and, and fishing was a huge industry around the Sea of Galilee. This is actually a reproduction of a first century Galilean fishing vessel, uh, likely looking like very much what Peter and James and John and Andrew used when they would go out fishing. And, and fishing was a very important industry around the Sea of Galilee. And they would go out day by day, and they, they were after the highly prized fish in the Galilean Sea, the red-bellied tilapia. And they would catch that fish, and they would sell them, and then they would uh, fillet them and grill them and set them in a warm tortilla with some mango salsa and some slices of avocado and some crema sauce. Are you feeling me? You know, fish tacos... <laughs> Or at least that's what I imagine. And, and so James and John, Simon and Andrew, they're fishermen. And they're probably somewhere in the middle class. Uh, they own boats. They have hired servants. Uh, there was a lot of fish in the Sea of Galilee. They were selling fish regularly. They were making some money. They were doing okay. And then right in the middle of their workday, they receive a call from Jesus. He says, come and follow me, which is a call to discipleship. But again, what does it mean to be a disciple anyway? And so, so let's just pause now, and, and I want to do this. I want to circle back into this passage, and I want to draw out three observations, three things uh, from this text about what it means to be a disciple. And listen, uh, th this is not incidental. This is at the very heart of what it means to be a Christian, and this is so important for us as a community to lean into. We have got to ask, you know, so much of American Christianity can, can be very superficial. People are going to church and they're professing belief, or maybe they're using God and religion in order to uh, be more manipulative and controlling of children or to advance political agendas or whatever. And, and we can get off on what it means to be a genuine follower of Jesus. And so we have got to ask, what is at the heart of discipleship? What is at the very heart of what we have been invited into? I mean, this is what Jesus, the messianic king, he, he announces his kingdom. He invites us to himself. He says, come and be my disciples. What does that mean? Well, number one, 
I want to suggest that to be a disciple means, first, devotion to the person of Jesus. Discipleship means devotion to the person of Jesus. Notice back in the text, uh, they, they leave everything in response to these words, Jesus said to them, follow me. Tim Keller points out that uh, Jesus at this point is very different than almost every other major influential religious leader in the history of the world. Jesus is different in the, you know, Buddha. Buddha would, would, would say things like, don't follow me, follow my dharma, follow my teaching. He would say, look, look it, it's not about me, it's it, follow my teaching. Jesus says almost the opposite. He says, look, don't just follow my teaching. Jesus says, follow me. And they hear this summons to reorient their entire life and their being around Jesus, and they respond. And how do they respond? It says that they left and they followed. Simon and Andrew left their fishing boat and their nets and they followed. James and John left their father in the boat with the hired servants and they followed, which is incredibly significant. They left their business and their financial security. Uh, James and John even left the, the family, as it were, you know. They've been trained and raised to, to do this, and they leave it, and they reorient everything around Jesus. And here's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It means, first and foremost, to be absolutely devoted, radically devoted to the person of Jesus, to the person of Jesus. You know, now, back in the text, this wasn't, absolute renunciation. Uh, they, they didn't um, completely leave boat to nets and, and parents. As you continue to read the story a little bit later, at one point, Peter goes back to the boat that he owned before and the fishing nets. So, so he still had access to those things. Uh, he utilizes his mother-in-law's home, which he didn't fully leave, as a base of operations for the ministry of Jesus around the Sea of Galilee. And, and of course, they still had a relationship with family members. You see that as, as the gospel unfolds. And, and so it's not absolute renunciation, but what it is for them and what it is for all of us, it's an invitation to reorient our entire life and our identity around Jesus. You know, I became a follower of Jesus when I was just 16 years old. And up to that point in my life, I, I had been a disciple. I had been a learner. And, uh, but I wasn't a disciple and a learner of Jesus. You know, and, and this, this, is, this is the truth. All of us are disciples and learners of something or someone. We are, we're all followers. I know we, we like to think, you know, we're all rugged individualists, you know, I do what I want, when I want, whenever I want. And, um, but the reality is, is all of us are under a sway and there are particular sensibilities you have because of the cultural moment you inhabit. There are ideas you have about reality. There are things you want to purchase, not because you were born with an insatiable appetite for that specific thing, but because the corporate, or, the corporate marketers have done their best with you. Amen? 
And you've spent a lot of time online, you know? But, but my point is, is that all of us are being shaped. And, and when, I was, when I was a 16-year-old, my life had been shaped and molded, and I was a disciple of my older friends who were surfers. I had college-aid friends who surfed, and I wanted to be like them. I remember I had a buddy named Lyndon who was uh, uh, kind of borderline, you know, amateurish, but moving into professional level surfing. And, and I loved him and I wanted to be like him. And, and he taught me and I learned from him. I, I learned, you know, uh, how to talk to girls and I learned a little bit about weed and, you know, this sort of, I mean, all kinds of stuff, you know. And, um, and, 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 and so I was a disciple and, and my identity was wrapped up in wanting to be a particular, you know, I, I, I was a surfer and I, 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 I kind of had this, this identity and this image of who I was. But, you know, when I became a follower of Jesus, that all changed. And my life was reoriented around the person of Jesus. And I began to develop, over time, a new identity, a new center around which my whole life would orbit and this is where discipleship to Jesus begins. It begins with a radical act of trust and a reorientation of self and life around the person of Jesus. This is where it begins. Now, I, I know maybe some, someone here is like, look, whoa, 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 slow down, you know? You're like, this is the problem with, with religion. And, you know, I, I get, you know, I, I've been invited to church, you know, from friends time to time. And, and I can't, like, but this is the problem. Like, Christians are just a little too zealous. That's all just a little bit too radical, you know? And, and, and I get that. But listen, we're not talking simply about radical devotion to a pastor or to a church community. Oftentimes, um, our devotion and our radical submission to can, can, our, our willingness to do all of that can be taken advantage of, and we can be coerced, we can be manipulated, we can be used if we're not careful. All of that is true, and it can lead to spiritual abuse and all kinds of things that religious leaders have done in the name of religion and God. But listen, this is not first and foremost about allegiance to a church or to a pastor, or this is first and foremost about allegiance to the very embodiment of the infinite and eternal God who is love and who is all-powerful and all-knowing, the very embodiment of the kingdom of God that is healing and restorative and freeing. It is allegiance to Jesus. And so this is where discipleship Begins. This is where it began for Simon and Andrew and James and John. Jesus said, follow me, and they left everything, and they devoted their life to Jesus. But secondly, I want to see that discipleship involved not only devotion to the person of Jesus, discipleship involves submission to the way of Jesus. Or we could put it like this. Discipleship involves an immersion into the teaching of Jesus and the lifestyle of Jesus and the way of Jesus. You immerse yourself and you saturate yourself in what Jesus was about and what he taught and what his values and priorities were. And then you submit to that and you learn that way of life in the world. 
It involves submission to the way of Jesus. And look back again at the text. Notice uh, Jesus said to them, follow me. He says, follow me. I was reading a commentary uh, this week by a New Testament scholar named R.T. France, and he points out that this word follow was something of an idiom in the world of Jesus, which, which could be translated something like this, up, behind, get up and come behind me. And it was the, the common way in which you would conceive of a proper relationship between a teacher and student. Now, of course, in our modern world, you know, where we are anti-authoritarian, the idea of up and behind a professor, you're like, no, we're all equals in this classroom. We should all share common ideas. And Professor Cavolo, you should learn from me as much as I'm gonna learn from you, you know? And like, that's, you know, and so we, we but in the ancient world, it wasn't like that. Like you attached yourself to a teacher, a rabbi, and you would come up and you would come behind them. Uh, Later rabbinic Judaism, you know, after the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, uh, there was the emergence of rabbinic Judaism where there was such a focus on teaching the very law of God. And so rabbis would constantly be forming these little schools of discipleship where you would attach yourself to a rabbi and you would want to follow them around closely. Like, you ever seen like little ducks following a duck mother, you know? Yeah. I don't probably need to waddle like that. That's a little embarrassing. Never mind. All right. But, um, but the the students would follow their rabbi around and they would imitate their way of life and they would memorize their teachings and they would just be fully immersed in their rabbi and they would want to become like their rabbi. In fact, there was a a saying in later rabbinic Judaism, uh, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Which is simply to say, you know, I mean, this is the ancient world. There's dirt roads, and so you're walking around on the dirt roads, and the dust is falling, and you're following so close behind your rabbi that you're getting covered in the dust. And that gets at what Jesus is inviting Simon and Andrew and James and John and Robert and Kenya and Ryan and Natalie and all of us into He's inviting us into a relationship where we follow him around and we immerse ourselves in his teaching, his way of life, and our own lives are being molded and shaped by him. In fact, the word disciple, um, it's the word uh, mathetes, and a, a, a literal translation of that could also be a learner or an apprentice. And so, you know, when, when, when you're like a plumber, and if you're gonna learn the trade of plumbing, you, you, you can't just look at a book. You actually have to attach yourself and apprentice yourself to a plumber. And you will learn the trade as you watch and you do what they do. And in essence, this is what a disciple is. It is an apprentice of Jesus. Now, of course, Jesus isn't the first person in the history of the world that had schools of disciples, apprentices that followed a leader around, Socrates had disciples and Buddha had disciples. And in fact, John the Baptist had disciples. But there was something radically unique about Jesus. What Jesus is interested in is not simply schooling us in Torah 
or um, a, a certain philosophy. Jesus is interested in teaching us how to live. Jesus said this. He said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full. In other words, do you want to learn how to live? Or, you know, or, or put it like this. You know, remember back in our human series? Uh, one of my constant refrains in that series was that a lot of us are not very good at doing human. Like we struggle at this, right? And we need help to regain and relearn how to be human. And Jesus says, I have come for this very purpose so that you might learn how to live. I have come so that you might learn how to handle your resources and finances in a way that doesn't lead to greed and anxiety, but leads to actually freedom and joy. I have come to teach you how to engage in relationships in such a way where even after you get hurt or you hurt somebody else, reconciliation and healing is possible. I have come to teach you about how to exercise and use power and authority in this world in ways that are not oppressive and domineering and abusive, but in ways that actually lift others up and serve. I have come to teach you how to live. So a disciple is one who immerses themselves in the teaching of Jesus and in the way of life of Jesus so that we might actually learn how to live. I, I remember um, years ago, I've shared this with you, some of you heard this, but um, I remember listening to Dallas Willard, uh, you know, great spiritual thinker, uh, talking about, you know, sharing the gospel with people. And he said, you know, sometimes he says, people say um, the, the way they've learned to share the gospel is they, they like to walk up to people and say, if you were to die tonight and God were to ask you, why would I let you into my heaven, what would you say? And Willard said, I don't like to ask people, what are you gonna do if you die tonight? I like to ask people, what are you gonna do if you don't die tonight? Who's gonna teach you how to live? And I don't know about you, but I find the way of life that we are being enculturated into in American culture a consumer-oriented, individualistic, very autonomous, me-first culture that is so inundated with technology and swiping this way and that way and screens and all of this stuff, it is not life-giving, it is exhausting, and it's not leading to healthy internal lives or relationships, and it's certainly not helping us connect with the true and the living God. But Jesus says, you can attach yourself to me. A print, come, come, Jesus says, and become my apprentice and learn how to live. I have come that you might have life to the full because in him is life. And the life was the light of all humans. Listen, so if you wanna learn how to live, Jesus says, come, immerse yourself in my teaching Submit yourself to my way of being in this world and you will learn how to live. So, so what is a disciple? Number one, a disciple is one who is devoted to the person of Jesus. Number two, submissive to the way of Jesus. And number three, a disciple is one who participates in the mission of Jesus. I love this. Look at, look at what it says in the text. Jesus said to them, follow me. And then he said, and I will make you become fishers of men. 
First, I just like that phrase, I will make you become, because listen, becoming a Christian, being a follower of Jesus is a journey of becoming. It's a journey of becoming over a long obedience in the same direction, a journey of becoming more and more like Jesus and engaging in this world in a way of being that looks more like Jesus and his values and his priorities. And it's a way of being that actually contributes to the well-being of the world. Notice how Jesus puts it. He says, um, he says you're fishing right now uh, for fish. He says, but come after me and I will make you a fisher of men. But what does that little phrase even mean, a fisher of men? I mean, what does it mean to become, on some level, it almost feels like a little bit of a violent metaphor because, you know, um, it it doesn't turn out well for the fish, right? (laughs) I mean, you catch the thing, you yank it out of its natural environment and you cut it up and you eat it, you know? In the ancient imagination, the sea uh, was connected with the, the forces of chaos and darkness, And I think what Jesus is getting at is he's saying, I'm gonna invite you into participate with me in what I'm about in this world and what am I about. I'm about helping pull people out of relationships that are dark and destructive at times. I'm here to pull people out of dark and dehumanizing addictions. I'm here to pull people out of of oppressive and destructive systems. Jesus says, I have come to pull you out of the darkness sometimes that you create for yourself because of your own stupid decisions. Jesus says, my kingdom has broken into this world and I'm pulling you out of the darkness you have been in. And get this, Jesus says, when you come to me and you apprentice yourself to me, I invite you to join with me in this work of helping others come out of darkness and into the light, which is just thrilling, you know? I mean, think, think about it. Like, I don't know about you, but it is so boring to live for, for nothing higher than another Netflix series or you know, another product that you, you buy or something. We, we dream about this vacation and, oh, you know, you're working. Like, Jesus says, yeah, you know, th- those things are fine, whatever. Watch Netflix, go on your vacation, I guess buy your car. But Jesus says, I have something so much bigger for you in life. I have a vision of how you can be used. And listen, You don't need to come to the table with a bunch of skills or a bunch of looks or education or a big resume or whatever. Who does Jesus call? He calls a bunch of fishermen in a little podunk town in Galilee. If Jesus can take them and forge this group into the nucleus that becomes the greatest force in the history of the world, think of what he can do for your life. Think of how he can use you. And so to be a disciple of Jesus, it means devotion to the person of Jesus. It means submission to the way of Jesus, to the teaching of Jesus. And it means participation in the mission of Jesus. But I wanna just press this a little bit further because I want us just to reflect for a minute on where does this process of becoming more devoted to Jesus and more submitted to Jesus and participating more in the mission of Jesus, where does it take place? In other words, 
what is the context in which discipleship happens? Notice again back at the text. It says immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And let me ask you, where did they follow him? It says they followed him. Where, where did he go? Like, where did they follow him? Where did they follow Jesus? They followed Jesus everywhere. They followed Jesus everywhere. They shared life with Jesus everywhere. But it wasn't just life with Jesus everywhere. It was life with Jesus in community. When Simon came, it wasn't just, hey, Jesus, now it's me and you. And, and James came, hey, it's now it's, no, it's, 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 now it's, it's me, you, and them as well. Like we're all following Jesus together. So they shared life with Jesus in community with others who were following Jesus as Jesus was going about doing his mission. It was life together and on mission. And that was the very context in which discipleship happened. Now, I want you to note well where discipleship doesn't happen. It doesn't just happen in a building on a Sunday morning for an hour once a week. Now, don't get me wrong. You should come to church every Sunday and it should be a priority to you to come and sit under the word of God, to come and worship God and to be with the people of God. Go do that. We are called to, to, to come together and do this together. But I want you to notice that their formation didn't happen once a week in a building. It happened 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They didn't just listen to Jesus teach in the house or in the synagogue. They actually shared life with Jesus and it was in the context of life that stuff was exposed and Jesus began to deal with it. And friends, this is always how discipleship happens. It's throughout the week in all kinds of spaces and places in your life where stuff surfaces and Jesus steps in to deal with it. Or put it like this, you know, back in 1958, there was a philosopher uh, whose, whose name was Michael Polanyi, and he, he coined this term called tacit knowledge. And there was a distinction that he made between tacit knowledge and explicit knowledge. And explicit knowledge was the kind of knowledge that you get in a classroom from a textbook. Tacit knowledge was the kind of knowledge that you get in practice when you're actually doing something. And there are certain things that you can only learn not by explicit knowledge, but through tacit knowledge. For example, I have taught dozens of people how to surf over the last 40 years of my life. Um, I'm 50 now. I probably didn't start teaching when I was 10. Don't think I'm that old. But anyway, work with me. But listen, how do you learn how to surf? You can never take somebody into a classroom and say, hey, let's pull out the textbook and let me show you some images. This is a wave and this is a surfer. And uh, oh, and this is an off the lip and a floater. And um, so now you go out and do it. Now, if you wanna learn how to surf, you gotta get in the water with a surfboard and there is no other way. And listen, if you want to learn to follow Jesus, you have got to get out and begin to practice the way of Jesus with your bank account and your finances and how you spend your money. 
You've got to begin to seek to practice the way of Jesus and how you're talking to a spouse or a sibling or a parent. You have got to begin to practice, forget. you've got to work it into the daily rhythms of your life and there is no other way. And friends, this is how the disciples were becoming more and more like their master. It was in their daily lives. You know, Jesus would constantly bring them into situations. For example, he would bring them into awkward and uncomfortable dinner conversations. You know, you think about Simon and Andrew, Peter and James, they follow Jesus, and when you get into chapter two, Jesus calls another disciple, Matthew, the tax gatherer, and then Matthew throws a dinner, and now they're all together at the same dinner table. Matthew gathered taxes around the Sea of Galilee. Do you know the primary source of his tax income around the Sea of Galilee? Fishermen. How did Simon and Andrew and James and John feel about the politics and the political leanings of Matthew? They didn't like it. And now they're around this dinner table with people that think different and look different and have had different paths in them, and they're like, what? And Jesus uses it as an opportunity to teach them. He says, look, around this dinner table, Know that I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. I'm the great physician. I've come to heal the sick. Or a, a little bit later, Jesus takes his disciples into a scary situation. He invites them into a storm. And they are terrified and, and they're seasoned fishermen, but they think they're gonna die in the storm. And, and they wake them up and they say, Lord, don't you care? We're perishing. And then Jesus calms the storm and then he takes them aside and he says, where is your faith? And he begins to teach them in the context of scary situations. And uh, a little bit later, there's another story of the disciples in the midst of an argument. And they're fighting with each other over who's gonna be the greatest. And then Jesus takes them aside and says, hey, come here, you guys, you guys are arguing about who's, let me talk to you about true greatness. But do you see what happens in the midst of arguments and relational conflict, in the midst of difficult dinner conversations, in the, in, the, in the midst of scary situations that are outside of your control, these are situations all of us experience all the time, right? Friends, that's the venue of discipleship. It's the space where Jesus wants to step in. He says, look, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Everywhere we go, Jesus is there present. And so we wanna immerse ourselves in his teaching and his way of life, and we wanna do this in community so that we can ask what might it look like to lean into the way of Jesus in every sphere of life. And so over this next year, what we're gonna do is we're gonna launch a new series in the Gospel of Mark called A Year with Jesus, and we are gonna spend a year, week after week, engaging in the life and the teaching and the way of Jesus. And we're gonna do this together in community at different parts in the seasons in the series. We're gonna invite you in different groups to be bringing into conversation with your very life what Jesus is saying so that we might grow more and more into likeness to Jesus because we wanna be a church that takes discipleship to Jesus seriously, amen? amen. Let me just close with this. We've seen a little bit about what discipleship is. It is devotion to the person of Jesus, submission to the way of Jesus. 
It is participation in the mission of Jesus, and it takes place in all of life in the context of, of, of community and in relationship with others as Jesus is there present, teaching us what it looks like to be his followers. But I, I just wanna close with this. I want you to notice where discipleship begins. And I just wanna note this simple thing. Simon and Andrew, James and John, in this moment, their life is gonna be forever changed and it will never be the same again. And they will enter into such lives of transformation and change and struggle, but also great joy and suffering, but, but also great freedom and boldness. And, and they will be used by God to bring about radical change in their own society and world. But I want you to see where that journey began. It didn't begin with Simon or Andrew. They were just fishing. And it didn't begin with James and John. They were just, you know, with their father Zebedee in the boat. And it didn't begin with Levi. Levi was just sitting at his tax booth collecting taxes. Discipleship begins, and it always begins, with the gracious and the kind initiative of Jesus. Jesus began by announcing this radically good news, the messianic king, the Lord of eternity, the king of creation has arrived. Good news, the very healing, saving reign of God is breaking into this world, and that's good news for everyone in this room. And Jesus says, now come to me, come follow me. I'm inviting you in. Christianity always begins, the journey of discipleship always begins with the gracious initiative of Jesus. And listen, this isn't just where it begins. I wanna suggest that this is also where it can begin again. Some of us recently, maybe the last year Maybe the last decade, we've drifted. And you're bored or you're anxious or you're just exhausted. You just feel overburdened and overwhelmed. And you are caught up and distracted in so many other things. And that original call of Jesus has grown so faint in your own life. And it is no longer defining for who you are and what you're about. And I wanna suggest that this morning, Jesus is calling us all again, all afresh today, this year. He's saying, come and follow me. I have something better for, for you. I have a vision of your life. Come and follow me. Take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I am gentle and I am lowly at heart and in me you will find rest for your souls. You know, we're gonna close our time together at the Lord's Supper. And in this practice, we are reminded again that long before Simon and Peter or James and John or Levi ever left anything, 
the infinite and eternal Son of God left the glory of heaven to enter into a broken, fallen world that he created and longed to heal so that through his own incarnate love and ultimately his broken body and shed blood, he might inaugurate a new kingdom among us and invite us to come and experience this healing and this new life and this fresh and this joyful call into discipleship.